Welcome to the Dr. Dad's Podcast, where a naturopath and chiropractor come together each week to share lifestyle medicine, health advice, and inspiring interviews with some of the top experts in health and wellness, bringing you the latest in nutrition, exercise, ancient healing, toxins and detox, your microbiome, mindset, hormones, brain, and much more. Stay tuned. We're going to teach you how to experience growth daily. Hey everybody, this is Dr. David Awardy coming at you again with a great episode with my man, Dr. Nicholas Jensen. What's up, man? Yeah, doing well, buddy. Um, I, I got to say that, uh, you know, with all the things going on in the world, it's just so nice to be able to connect with you each week. And, you know, it's like you're an, you're an anchor for me in the week. And so getting a chance to have these conversations is always, you know, a highlight of my week, buddy. Samesies, man. Samesies. I was yeah. literally thinking about that last week as well. It's nice to check in, right? Oh, for sure it is. How was Halloween, man? It was uh, it was fun. We, we went to a neighborhood in Vancouver that uh, or sort of nearby where we live. And it was like people were nuts over there. There was like decorations were crazy. People are everywhere. It was it was probably the, the most exciting Halloween place to go um, that we've been to yet with the kids. And they had a blast. Awesome. Man. Awesome. Yeah. So what were you guys? How was how was yours? Oh, uh, it was it was craziness as always. You know how it is. At Your the costumes were deadly. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, yeah, it was fun this year. We had a good time. We kind of went all out like we always do. But yeah, it was a long weekend. I'm still recovering. I feel like a little bit, but but it was fun, man. Halloween's always a good time. Yeah, it is. So, man, let's get into it. We have an awesome guest this week. Um, you know, one of the things as of late in this past year, I want to say uh, that I've really look to get help from other doctors, a, a particular physical therapist that we have on today is dry needling. Um, something that I wasn't too familiar with. I met uh, Dr. Parul, which I'll give more information on in a second. A couple of years ago, she came into the office and I got to meet her. And, you know, I had some cases coming up here and there with shoulder stuff like rotator cuff issues or hip issues. And I was kind of hitting a plateau with my patients. And I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot her some, refer her some business and see, you know, what this dry needling does. And I can't tell you, man, I was so surprised to see how awesome the results were. I mean, I didn't know much about it. I'd seen lots of videos and I saw that it was getting really popular in the, you know, the, the myofascial muscles, neuromusculoskeletal world, you know, for soft tissue treatment, but awesome, man. I mean, my patients had amazing results. They come back, they speak, uh, very, very well of Dr. Honeybye. And so we have her on today, but before we get started with the conversation with her, let me just give a little bit about her. So Dr. Parul Honeybye uh, is a physical therapist, therapeutic pain specialist, and a certified myofascial trigger point therapist with over 20 years of outpatient experience. Uh, she got her bachelor's in physical therapy from Cleveland State in 1995 and her doctorate in physical therapy from A.T. Still University in 2016. Uh, she has a vast experience for the last 20 years in an outpatient physical therapy setting. Um, and she treats and manages back and neck pain, uh, joint injuries, chronic pain, chronic headaches, and migraines. Uh, she's a therapeutic pain specialist through the International Spine and Pain Institute and certified manual trigger point therapist through MyoPain seminars. Uh, she is certified in dry needling and revolutionary non-drug approach to pain management. So, Doc, thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So, Parul, let's just jump into it. Tell me a little bit about just kind of how you found your way into dry needling as one of the therapies that you utilize in your practice. 
Uh, and yeah, and then just tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. So incidentally, I actually was a patient of dry needling. So I had injured my elbow, lifting up a heavy patient at the hospital and um, developed tennis elbow or uh, tendonitis of the elbow at the elbow. And um, just, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a terrible patient myself. So let it slide for at least two years off and on did things to it, but it just wouldn't resolve. And then joined another hospital at the time. Um, and my colleague there had just learned some dry needling. So he said, Hey, let me treat you for your pain. And I didn't know anything about it. So I said, sure. And in two sessions, after two sessions, I was pain free. And I was blown away. And I thought, wow, what is this? And so I looked more into it, uh, researched it with him, and then started um, going to training sessions through Myopain to get certified in dry needling. So that was my journey. And it has been nothing short of spectacular with the results, as you know, and have seen, yes. You know, it's interesting. You hear a lot of stories like that, right? But a lot of times it's from our own experiences, even as doctors, exactly. where we find solutions for people yes. that come into us. So that's awesome. So tell me a little bit about dry needling. I know there's a lot of people that are a little confused. Uh, I get the questions I typically get is, is that the same as, is uh, acupuncture? You know, I get, I get questions like that, but let's just talk a little bit about what exactly is dry needling. Yes. So I get asked that same question from my own patients as well. So first of all, it is not acupuncture. Acupuncture is definitely Eastern medicine based and dry needling is Western medicine based. And it may have derived some of its uh, philosophy or technique from acupuncture, but it definitely steered towards a more scientific uh, base which is trigger point release. So, you know, massage therapists for years have done trigger point release, but they do it manually with their hands. And so that same trigger point, we take and insert a fine needle. And this is where the similarity is there between dry needling and acupuncture. It is the same gauge needle that acupuncturists use. However, we insert it deeper into the actual trigger point and it releases immediately. The beauty of dry needling is that we are able to go in much deeper through many layers of tissue to get down into the deeper trigger points that human hands cannot via massage therapy or trigger point release. And so that is what dry needling does is that it releases the trigger points, which have been shown to be the source of many types of pain uh, in the body. Well, and for our listeners, can you discuss a little bit about trigger points in general in the muscle tissue and how that leads to even referrals of pain and things like that? Right. So for in layman terms, trigger points are the knots that people complain of in muscles. Most common would be in the neck and shoulder area patients. I mean, people sit all day or at their computers, they complain of stiffness in the neck and the upper shoulders. Those knots, quote unquote, that they feel are what are trigger points. Um, those have been shown by through studies that they are sources of pain because there's not enough blood flow flowing through that area. There's lack of oxygen in that area and a buildup of what we call, for lack of a better word, some chemicals that are not desirable to that tissue. All this irritates the nervous system and leads to pain. 
and there is referred pain because of the nervous system being connected uh, to all the surrounding areas. And so pain oftentimes in the shoulder can be felt in the shoulder blade or mid-back as it follows in the path of the nervous system right around it. And so that's when patients have that type of pain, the dry needling is very effective in resolving that. So I'm curious, and this is the question I have. So I'm familiar with a lot of the manual stuff and, and I've worked a lot with trigger point stuff, but what exactly is the mechanism when you're putting this needle into the trigger point that allows that trigger point to disperse like and release so easily? Do they talk a little bit about that when you guys are getting trained? So it's under still under research and review. They also don't know. Uh, honestly, they haven't done the studies at the cellular level as to how the needle, exactly like you're asking, is actually getting rid of that trigger point. Um, they don't know. That is still an unknown. Okay. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, so, so somebody comes in to get this done. Um, what does that look like when they come in? So let's say I have an issue with my hip and I'm having, I'm having trouble walking and I come into you to see you to get some of this done. So I first do a full physical therapy evaluation, you know, get a subjective history, how long this has been going on, what could have caused it, um, review any x-rays or MRIs they may have do a full objective measurement to see if they're weak, tight, where are they weak and tight. And then I rely a lot on my palpation skills. So then I assess the hip, find where those trigger points are. And um, usually in the hip, it's the entire hip musculature, you know, the glutes, hip flexors, the rotators, uh, even the lower back, they're all usually affected where I can find palpable trigger points. And so I will start with a dry needling session the very first day if once I have consent. But I don't, the first day I do go very easy. I like to needle a very small area. Patients are generally apprehensive. The word needle just terrifies people. And so I have a detailed conversation. I explain everything to them like we're talking right now. And I tell them at any point they can say no and stop. And so then I will dry needle a small area, but enough to give them that immediate relief, which they do get, um, and to get them hooked, like to say, so to say, so that they see the benefit of this and will come back. And so, yeah, I, I get into the trigger points with my needles. They have the session. They're very sore. So what's happening is that muscle fibers are actually breaking apart, kind of similar to when uh, we work out. And so that soreness felt post-workout is the same soreness felt post-needling because uh, muscle fibers have actually been broken. And so I explain all that to them, but they're still able to discern the difference between soreness and pain right away, right away. And um, usually I'll put heat or ice and then they come back. And then I usually will see them two to three times a week. Three is about rare, but twice is definitely what I do twice a week. And then how long, I mean, how long do these needles sit in you when, when you, let's say I come in for a session, like, do I lay on the table? Am I there for like 20 minutes with this needle in me? Like how long do you typically leave them in? Great question. So myopane is the one school that does not, we do not leave the needles in. We are trained to work out the trigger point. There is a, what's called a twitch response. So um, it's, a, it's a loop formed with the spinal cord. So once a needle hits a trigger point, it spasms. 
And we go at that knot until that spasming stops. And then I throw the needle away and then I move on to the next trigger point. It is a different school of thought. There are some schools that um, do leave the needles in, like you're mentioning. Uh, but Myopane has been a pioneer in this and um, they've done extensive research and have found that the trigger point needling method seems to work better and, and not leaving them in. So I don't leave them, leave them in. So are we talking like a couple minutes once you put it in to get that Second. spasm reaction? Seconds. 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 Okay, so yes. it's really quick. Very. So we're talking a pretty minimally invasive type procedure here to get that trigger point to release pretty quickly then. Yeah, and, so, and very quick. My entire session is usually for just the needling, 10 to 15 minutes long. So the rest yes. of the time, then we spend stretching and strengthening and doing other things. Yeah. yeah. So you, you, you're just kind of stacking other therapies as, as much as needed, but this is more of just getting into the soft tissue type deal. Correct. Awesome. Nick, go ahead. I'm sorry, man. No, I love it. Uh, I mean, I think it's such an important discussion of, and, and it's, I gl I'm glad that you differentiated between what, what's happening in acupuncture versus dry needling. Um, you know, because, uh, you know, the feedback from most people is like, oh, it really hurts. But uh, wow, it's it's profound the kind of effect it has, and and I think it's important for people to understand. Like when you're when you're working on those trigger points, there's a as you mentioned before, there's chemicals, there's there's hormones, there's like stressors, and that cell tissue's ability to detoxify because the blood supply has been kind of um, compromised. compromised. So when you start working in those areas, you're releasing a lot of stuff into the environment. It's almost like this pro-inflammatory event that allows for that cleanup to happen. Um, so I'd love for you to like help people understand that, yes, there's pain, but there's a reason behind it. Yes. So um, again, like I was saying earlier that I, I try to explain to them comparing it to a workout and I'll tell them that, you know, the reason people build muscle, get bulkier is because there is that resistance placed on the muscle fibers and, you know, they actually do break. And when they repair back, they repair back bigger, better, and stronger. And that's how people, you know, build up muscle. And so I tell them the same thing is happening um, in dry needling, except because resistance isn't placed on it via weight, it's being placed by a needle. Um, they're not going to build back bigger, but they are going to break and there will be that soreness factor due to that. And they, they get, they're very comforted by that when I tell them that. And I tell them it's a 24-hour process, just like you said, that pro-inflammatory process which is necessary to promote healing and i tell them once the muscle fiber heals back the soreness goes away um, and i also reassure them that they will be able to tell the difference between their pain versus the soreness it is very distinctly different um, and again because the nervous system has changed and is not firing uh, the pain firing from the from the knot is very different than from the soreness and um, people get it. People do get it and they do relax and calm down about it. And back to this whole pro-inflammatory state, that has been studied, by the way. Mm -hmm. This is very much evidence-based medicine um, where they've taken a tissue pre-needling and tested the environment and found levels of all these noxious chemicals like substance P and all of that. And then post-needling and definitely notice a drop and the increase in oxygen and blood flow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's important for people to understand. It's like, you know, when that tissue is not getting the proper nourishment because the blood supply is, you know, compromised and all those other things, it's really hard to heal those areas. And that's why we can be stuck with that pain for so long. It's like, 
the environment doesn't change. And, you know, no matter how much you stretch or you, you know, do the things that you're supposed to do, the hot and the cold, it's, it still can be compromised. And so, you know, this is a great way to release. And I always find it interesting, just like how long a pain can be there. And then like how quickly it can leave when you do the right treatment. Right. I mean, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. One of the things that we do in our practice, I used to do a lot more of uh, was neuro prolotherapy and neural therapy. And it's also targeting uh, these trigger points, but injecting a substance in. And the way that we were taught um, what was happening is you're changing the membrane potential. And that happens whether it's piezoelectric, meaning a, a pressure or like a needle force or with the chemical substance, whether it be procaine or lidocaine or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And so you're actually changing. You literally are through, through that pressure or that, that puncture or through the, the substance that you're injecting that it's actually changing that chemical cons- constitution. So you're actually changing the membrane potential so that the cell can sort of reset itself. So I like to think of it as like, you're, you're kind of resetting the nervous system by getting that stimulation in that area. I use that exact phrase all the yeah. time. I yeah. tell them I'm resetting their nervous system. Yes. So good. Well, and, I, and I see, you know, when I, when I picture it, I, you see the fascia being heavily involved, right? So we talk about this connective tissue matrix and that's that neurology that I see. I see that the fascia, because I, I, I'm one of these big believers of what I understand about, you know, the, the myofascial system and that it's in tune with our nervous system. So that's where these effects are coming from. Just like when you look at acupuncture, you're puncturing the fascia and that's where we're getting the changes. So that's interesting. Very, very interesting. So I, I'm curious. I know you, you have a lot of tools in your tool bag, Doc, I'm sure. What type of things do you, you see yourself using this uh, more on as far as conditions that come into your clinic? Literally head to toe. Um, I see a lot of TMJ, TMD patients, a lot of jaw pain. It is phenomenal for relieving the tension in the masseters. And even I go deep into the pterygoids and literally all the way down to the feet, a lot of plantar fasciitis conditions. Uh, of course, back and neck pain, hip, shoulder. I have needled, I think, pretty much every muscle group except the pelvic floor. Um, that requires extra training, and I have not yet been for that. So the pelvic floor is the one muscle group that I do not needle, but I have needled every, pretty much every muscle other than that that can be needled. That pelvic floor does not sound like fun. <laughs> <laughs> I think both to the recipient as well as the giver. It's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. I'm curious how, um, how are, or maybe you can help for people understand what does a palpation process look like? Are you feeling like there's, there's a sense of like a condensed uh, or like rock, like, you know, substance or tissue that you're feeling. Um, and it's, I, I'm assuming it's also patient feedback, but if you could describe your palpation process, that would be helpful for people, I think. Yes. And so physical therapists are trained regardless whether we dry needle or not in very good palpation skills. That's huge in our training. And so we know to palpate between bone and fascia and muscle. And so, like you said, it literally feels like a hard bump, a rock, um, I'll sometimes joke with my patients, did you have rocks for breakfast? Because they found their way, you know, into your shoulder. <laughs> um, a hard lump, any of those are synonymous with what I'm feeling. And it feels very different, of course, than normal muscle. But I have also learned to palpate with the needle. So I have now gotten to the point where I can actually insert a needle if I'm not quite sure with my hand palpation skills and can tell the difference between 
regular, like non, uh, muscle tissue that has no trigger points versus a trigger point. Uh, a needle going through a trigger point feels more resistive. I feel as if I'm going almost through a little bit like leather. And then when a muscle has no trigger points, I, it literally feels like going through butter. Um, very smooth in and out. And so just the tension uh, difference is, is tells me if I'm in a trigger point or not. So it can also palpate through the needle. Yeah. Yeah, I found it fascinating just how you, you know, one can connect to their tools, like the more that you use them, like it's, it's literally an extension of your, your fish mm -hmm. senses. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. So I know this may be a hard question to answer as well, but you know, let's say somebody has been struggling like you with a, a chronic pain in like a joint, like an elbow or a shoulder. I mean, it's not uncommon with this type of therapy that they can have a lot of relief to, or just full relief, maybe in a couple of visits, right? I'm sure that's not the case for all these things, but but there there are possibilities there for some people. Yes, fewer than what you would think. So if you and I have them, and I say that because, you know, we take care of our bodies and the, with the dry needling, the stronger a muscle is. The, the more stretched out it is um, due to exercise, the less it tends to have trigger points in it. So those that are in very good physical condition need fewer sessions. Um, others require longer because they either have not developed an exercise program yet or are sedentary or pain has prevented them from now exercising, which is what I find the most. They get up in this, caught up in this vicious cycle where they used to, they hurt themselves and now are unable to exercise. Um, and that's why the process takes a little bit longer um, with these patients due to the fact that we need to now build the muscle back up slowly so that it does not form these trigger points. The other conditions which, are, which require a little bit more time are the tendon uh, inflammation, tendinopathies, tendonitis, the muscle, yes, I can, you know, release and release the trigger points in there. But I find that even after that, there's residual inflammation in the tendon uh, that seems to just take a lot longer to be resolved. And I don't know if, and I've been meaning to actually look this up and study it myself. You know, these days we're in a constant state of inflammation with the things we eat and what we even breathe, the air and what we are drinking. So is that lending itself to, you know, that inflammation staying on the tendon or what? But those are a little bit harder to treat even after the muscle has been rehabbed completely. That was actually my next question. You know, me and Nick are always talking about this global effect of inflammation, the, the yes. actual current state of that patient when they walk into your door and what their healing capacity is. I'm sure you maybe have some clients that come in, they're not in the best of health. They're having a lot of joint issues and, you know, we do our best to try to move them along. But a lot of times, you know, that toxic load, that toxic burden in the body and that uncontrollable inflammation plays that, that huge impact on their ability to heal. Correct. Which is why, you know, I dream of a time when practitioners like us, like us three here could jointly, you know, treat where we would, you know, I do my thing and you guys do your thing. And then a patient is healthy from the inside out. Um, yeah. yeah, you read my mind. That's exactly what I was thinking. I mean, it's, it's an opportunity for people to really appreciate the fact that all of these different therapeutics can be used in harmony and they're and they're actually they're going to all work better when you're, be you know, used. yeah, like when you're 
you know, implementing an anti-inflammatory way of eating and, and moving and addressing things before they become mountains. You know, all of the, the proactive preventative approach is, is always going to be the best measure for anything, even preventing, you know, pain. So on that point, like, what would it, could you, or what could one implement like a prevention program? Like, let's say there's not like this brutal referral pain that's leading to frozen shoulder, whatever, whatever. Can someone just go in for like a little sort of tune up and address some of the, like, just the more annoying areas that typically show up or what would a maintenance program look like for somebody? Exactly like that. So let's say one is completely pain-free. I discharge them and I tell them, touch back, you know, touch base with me in a month or two, you will know when you need it. And I have some patients who are doing this maintenance type thing. Typically, uh, it, you know, it lasts very long. There are some patients I've never seen back. I'm assuming they're doing just fine. And others that come once a month to once every three months even. Um, so it can be, you know, much long lasting. And, uh, and once I get them in and they know that this helps, they do start to take care of their bodies and pay a little bit more attention and they come in, you know, before it gets really bad. So that I see that shift happening and, um, and I'm happy about that. Mm -hmm. Well, I'd imagine doc, you probably see individuals that are pretty active too, right? Do you see like marathon runners or athletes and people that I'd imagine they probably need, I'm like, I, I'm thinking, cause I used to be an athlete, right? But I'm thinking, man, like back in the day, I really could have used a therapy like this because I remember going in and getting like deep tissue massages, like just struggling the whole hour during those massages when they're ripping into those trigger points. And I don't think we even heard of dry needling back then when I was an athlete back in college. But I mean, I can't imagine this is probably amazing now to have something like this at your fingertips. Oh, yeah. Our mutual patient, I obviously won't name him, but who does those extreme races, I forget. Um, mm -hmm loves it absolutely loves how it makes him feel before a race um irrespective of you know pain and i have a lot of young teenage athletes i have a ton of swimmers um who i literally now they know and so it's funny they're all of 13 14 and will say we need to come in for a tune-up you know they <laughs> their moms call me um it's huge for athletes and i we should get the word out like you know for athletes yeah, go get adjusted and then come for them, you know, trigger point release here. They don't know that they would function so much better. Their muscles would perform so much better if they were in alignment and then free of trigger points. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Could you guys speak to that? Because it'd be neat to sort of hear two practitioners that work with pain in, in, the, in the physical body in different kinds of ways. Like, what do you think is the best way to work together with a, with a, another practitioner is it better to release the trigger point and then get the adjustment or vice versa? What do you guys think? Well, on my end, I would say the, the soft tissue work would need to be done first. And that's because we, we talk about the active system all the time, right? The muscles and tendons and how they're one of the subsystems that gives us this structural integrity. So the passive system, that's the last thing we move. And I've talked briefly about that on that last podcast where we talked about coherence, but you know, I go in, I address things neurologically through the active system and the muscles. And then we do do a little bit of soft tissue work and fascia work. I mean, nothing to the degree that she's doing with the dry needling, but enough to where I'm trying to support. So by the time I do move a bone and, and give a manipulation, it's more apt to actually stay in place and, and have that integrity. 
you know, I was, Barul, I was just uh, saying the other day, I was like, how cool would it be if I could be next door to Barul and have her like doing soft tissue and dry kneeling and rehab, and then I could be over on this and doing what I do. So I'm totally with you on the whole, like, it'd be nice to have just like this shop where everybody's under the same roof and we work off each other to help people. Because, you know, there's so many things that I can't do that I'm glad that I have someone like Dr. Adi Bai to be able to send people to because, and it's awesome. It's nice to see them when they come back into me and they're doing so much better. And it's, that's always a comforting thing, right? Like when you send people and you refer people out, when you're getting good, good things back where they're like, Oh yeah, she's awesome. And I feel so much better. And like talking about that mutual athlete work on, he was very happy with it. You know, it was something I told him, I was like, you need to go try it out. He was kind of hesitant. And then he went and he had amazing results. He was able to do his races. And, mm-hmm. and so he, he was on a bit of a time crunch. Like he was getting ready to have to go to a Spartan race and he couldn't even grab the bar at the gym. He was in so much pain. Wow. And I think within one or two visits before his race, she had him going and he was good to go in his race. That's amazing. I mean, you know, as a practitioner, I, I feel like there's a, almost as big of a win by being able to make that appropriate referral as there is, you know, to, to having a win in your own office. I mean, it's just, and then it allows you, you know, that community sense, because essentially I, I feel that, that every individual that seeks, whether it be, you know, a general practitioner to, to uh, allied health professional, whatever that looks like, uh, it always feels better when there's some feeling of a, a team and community and so yeah, i think what you're speaking to is so important for people to, to appreciate even other doctors <clears throat> excuse me listening like it's important for us to be able to refer to the right people and to create that community and network because uh, the you know the patient's going to feel more supported in that in the entire process which is a big part of the someone's healing absolutely yeah. well and that's what it's all about right totally so I'm curious, what are, what are some, um, what are some of your favorite areas of the body to work with? Like what, you know, you say the person's coming in, you're like, oh, this is going to be a slam dunk. Like what areas do you really love to work on with people? To, for the uh, dramatic effect, the wow factor for the yeah. patient, um, hands down, upper trapezius and lower back. It is instantaneous. Um, relief. And so I love needling the upper trapezius and uh, lumbar area right off the bat. But really, you know, I mean, I guess like it's pretty dramatic anywhere. um, But those are my favorite areas. Just yesterday, I had an orthopedic surgeon, actually, my first ever um, come in in significant pain, um, has lumbar issues, but didn't know because MRI hadn't been done. And now there's radicular pain down the leg. Actually, I'm going to try and send him to you, Dr. Wardy, as well. And dry needled his um, hip area because that's where he was feeling it mostly. But I also did the lumbar area too because I knew what I was stemming from there. He called me today. He had like four or five hours of instant relief and then it kind of came back, which I was expecting. So um, yeah, even when they're in that much inflammation, it really, it really helps. Mm-hmm. There, we, had a, we had a guest a few uh, episodes ago that was talking about the just the neuroplastic changes that happen in someone in chronic pain and and I, and I can't help but think in situations like this you create that bit of relief it's it's sort of like okay the brain can kind of ease its its signaling and then of course you know 
the tissue change maybe isn't fully intact or their gut health isn't great or they're not moving or there's repetitive patterns that are keeping people stuck in that state. But there's a lot to be said as to that quickening of that response of just like you're disengaging the brain from that the area of the tissue. And so, you know, I, I would say for people too that are sort of tuning into this, oh, I might need the x-ray first or I might need the MRI first. Like you don't, like you actually <laughs> just need to go in and, and get some help um, because the, often, you, I mean, many cases, you can have tissue pathology or not and the pain can still be there. So sometimes just addressing, you know, the most obvious thing, the low-hanging fruit can often be the solution. Yeah, I treat chronic pain as well. And we talk about the whole sympathetic nervous system being, you know, on high alert without any visible pathophysiology that can be read on an x-ray or an MRI for sure. And um, this is also, they're doing studies with dry needling and fibromyalgia. Um, There's a lot of studies out there specifically, you know, talking about this, that it targets that nervous system and just gives it a break for a minute to where the brain doesn't feel threatened the whole time mm-hmm. yep mm-hmm. because yeah, i gotta say like from an energy point of view those who are stuck in chronic pain that's got to be like the one of the most debilitating things for your for your emotional body for your physical body like that obviously that desire for movement's not there it's just there's mm-hmm. it's an all-consuming experience when that pain is there like that there's so much focus from your brain and your mind, you know, to that pain. So it's, it is important to be obviously be proactive, of course, but those with chronic pain, I mean, it's time to change what you're doing and, and, and try to shift that as quickly as you can. Well, and speaking of changing what you're doing, you know, I get a lot of these people, doc, I don't know about you, but they're the, the ones that love getting soft tissue work. So they see like a massage therapist, like every two weeks. Right. But then when you talk to them, they've had like the same problem for like two or three years. Like how much of that do you see? And then when you start dry needling, you see these massive changes in maybe the patterns that they're having and they're not seeing a need to get as much soft tissue work done. I'm curious. All the time. So I started this clinic as a chronic pain specialist. And um, so my, the majority of my clientele are chronic pain patients and majority of them are, are here with pain that they've had for years. Just this morning, I had this guy, came in 2011. He's had pain since then. Um, And I have seen, and I constantly get amazed as well, even with how much time has passed by as how well they get, not obviously pain-free, but they get a significant relief from their pain to where they can start functioning again. And that is my everyday client, actually, to tell you the truth. And it's been, you know, great. Now, this is where I feel limited is that, you know, I, I only address pretty much the physical therapy part of it when we've talked about how pain, you know, pain is biopsychosocial and I wish I had all the other facets. And so um, I feel frustrated at times that I'm not able to provide the other facets uh, with it. But at least from a, you know, no matter how long they've had pain, they do feel a lot better. Yeah, yeah I'm always amazed at the, the endurance with which people have you know their ability to to linger in pain for i mean we're we're resilient creatures to be able to deal with that much that pain and um and and you know to, to kind of speak to the mental side i mean we find this a lot too that people become so habituated that that they're so identified with their pain that sometimes like to not have it is is a complete identity shift for them which can mm-hmm. be scary because it's the only thing in some cases that that they're certain about 
And so they, they don't necessarily have a high believability that they're going to get better. And then when that happens, it's like, you know, this, this light bulb comes on and they recognize they can do life in a completely different kind of way. So, um, you know, those little signals that we often don't pay attention to can become much bigger. And then, like I said, it can define us. It can become a part of our identity. And it's, um, these are signals our body is telling us to pay attention to. So it's, you know, it's nice to be able to have conversations like this to help people to remember that, you know, don't let things linger. It's, it's your body sending you signals. It's time to do something about it. Um, you know, so you mentioned uh, like ligaments can be a, a tricky area. Uh, for people and that makes sense like the blood supply and you can release the muscle and um, but not always are you going to get the you know complete removal of the pain um, what what are so like what would you suggest people do at that point like would you like where, where would you send them at that point or what kind of happens uh, for those things that you feel like you've done as much as you can do with uh, the dry needling like where do they go from there so I tell them to give it some time uh and see if with further strengthening, because, you know, strengthening can take sometimes much months, longer yeah. months. Exactly. And I don't see them that long. So I will tell them, look, if it's not impacting your life to the point where you, you know, can't function and it's mild, uh, which it does get to that point, you know, sometimes they get to the point where they only feel it if they palpate it, but in active movement and function, they don't feel it. I tell them to give it time. If it's really inflamed, I will then send them to back to the orthopedic doctor or their primary care and see what they can do uh, about that. If it's, you know, I, I'm not a proponent of shots, cortisone shots. It only weakens the tendon. Um, and I try, and my, a lot of what I do is education. I will educate them to, every single day saying, look, you're going to weaken your tendon with a shot. It's a quick fix. Try not to get into it. Hold out as much as you can. And then if you still you know are dealing with it then we'll talk or talk to your doctor about it yeah mm -hmm. that's also where like a lot of your you know exercises and rehab that you're doing really helps people in that in that journey right so can yeah, you talk a little they, bit about that too oh absolutely um you know we are the movement experts and so at least that's what we're called and so a big part of everything i do is um exercise to help maintain the tissue that I have released um, so that it does not, you know, form knots again or those trigger points. And just for their well-being, um, you know, the stronger they feel, when they get stronger, they just start feeling better. And so I, um, there are days when I will not dry needle and it's just a full exercise session and building up on their weights and uh, strength training and stretching, uh, all of that. So that's a big part of what I do, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's really important. Yeah. Awesome. So Doc, outside of the rehab and the gentle strengthening and, and the movement stuff and the dry needling, anything else at your clinic that you guys kind of work with and do with your patients? Nope. Um, you know, I, I would love to have a wellness section, but uh, physically I'm very small in terms of square footage. So I don't have the space to have that, uh, but it's in the works for the future. Awesome. Well, hit me up. We can maybe talk about something. Yeah, like let's open up together on the east side. That's where I want to go. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> and then you see a broad range of, of patients, right? Everything from from uh, geriatric all the way to like pediatric, right? I mean, you're seeing pretty much page, patients of all ages. 12 to 100. Uh, my oldest has been 94. He did not get dry needled, but um, did great with just an exercise program. 
Awesome. And so everybody listening for our listeners, P3 Physical Therapy in El Paso, Texas. And then where can they find you? How can they get in touch with you, uh, Dr. Adibai? All my information is on the website at p3ptpro.com. Um, or they can just Google P3 Physical Therapy and all the information shows up. Awesome. Very good. Well, Doc, I can't thank you enough for taking time today. I really appreciate you and your knowledge and, and spending some time with the doctor dads today. And uh, I will be coming and seeing you probably pretty soon because it sounds like I can get this done just to kind of get a tune-up or for maintenance and kind of see what I need released. Definitely. I would love to have you come in. And thank you so much for having me on. It was so much fun and such a pleasure to share my knowledge. Thanks so much for being here. I, I did want to ask one, uh, one other thing. Yes. Now, now that you know you've got this in your tool belt, how often would you go and get a, a treatment done? Oh, I'm so I had another PT working for me who is out on maternity leave and we would both needle each other and I've lost my dry needler so I'm <laughs> desperate. <laughs> I am now desperate to be needled. Uh, yes, I need I so desperately need it, but um, not sure when I'll get it done. Next. Well, <laughs> well hopefully there's some PTs listening that, that live in your yes. area that, that decide to call you up and join the practice, who knows? <laughs> That'd be awesome because I'm looking. For, I'm looking for one incidentally. Yes. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Thank you, so Doc. Great. Thank you so you. much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the Doctor Dads and share with your family and friends. You can also follow and interact with Doctor Nick and Doctor David on Facebook and Instagram for a daily dose of inspiration and the latest in health and wellness. Be well.